Sri <laughs> All glories to the Lord of Devotees. All glories to the Lord of Devotees. All glories to the Lord of Devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Sri Guranga. All glories to Sri Rupa. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Shrimate Bhaktivedanta Swami Niti Namane Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Prachadane Nirvasesha Shunyavadi Pashtachatesha Tarane Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Shivasri Gaur Bhaktarinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Reading from Srimad Bhavan Kanto 10, Chapter 71, Verse 1. Shri Sukha Uvacha, it udiritam ka akarnya, deva sher udavo bravit, sabyanam matam agyaya, krishnasacha mahamatihi.
Sukadev Goswami said, Iti, alas, Udiratam, that which was stated, Akanya, hearing uh, Deva Rishi by Narada, sage of the demigods, Uddhava, Uddhava, Abravit, spoke. Sabyanam of the members of the royal assembly Matam opinion Agyaya understanding Krishnasya of Lord Krishna Cha and Mahamati great minded translation Sukadev Goswami said Having thus heard the statements of Devarshi Narada and understanding the opinions of both the assembly and Lord Krishna, the great-minded Uddhava began to speak. Text 2. Sri Uddhava said, O Lord, as the sage advised, you should help your cousin fulfill his plan for performing the Rajasuya sacrifice, and you should also protect the kings who are begging for your shelter. Purport, Devarshi Narada wanted Lord Krishna to go to Indaprastha and help his cousin Yudhisthira perform the Rajasuya sacrifice. At the same time, the members of the royal assembly strongly desired that he defeat Jarasand and rescue the kings he was holding prisoner. The great-minded Uddhava could understand that Lord Krishna desired to do both things and thus he intelligently advised how both these purposes could be simultaneously accomplished. Text 3. Uh, only one who has conquered all opponents in every direction can perform the Rajasuya sacrifice, O Almighty One. Thus, in my opinion, conquering Jarasandha will serve both purposes. 
purport. Sri Uddhava here explains that only one who has conquered all directions is entitled to perform the Rajas Suya sacrifice. Therefore, Lord Krishna should immediately accept the invitation to participate in the sacrifice, but then he should arrange to kill Jarasandha as a necessary prerequisite. In this way, the king's request for protection would be fulfilled automatically. If the Lord would thus adhere to a single policy, namely seeing that Raja's Suya sacrifices are performed properly, all purposes would be fulfilled. According to Srila Rupa Goswami and his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, one of Lord Krishna's qualities is Chatura, clever, which means that he can perform various types of work at the same time. Thus, the Lord could certainly have solved the dilemma of how to simultaneously satisfy King Yudhisthira's desire to perform the Rajasya sacrifice and the imprisoned king's desire for freedom. But Krishna wanted to give his dear devotee Uddhava the credit for the solution and thus he pretended to be perplexed. Ah, so as I explained the other day, the, um, uh, Krishna's all-knowledgeable, omniscient, Yet, sometimes he doesn't appear to be. In this case, he uh, asks Uduva for advice. Uh, and then, of course, Krishna knows in one sense everything. But still, uh, he wants to glorify Uduva and show how Uduva is clever. Also, to show that Uduva actually has a mind very similar to Krishna. So he can understand uh, Krishna's mood, his mentality, his thinking, uh, what he desires, etc. Uh, and for that reason, Uddhava is glorified uh, very often in the Bhagavatam uh, as being uh, the very close associate of uh, Krishna. And of course, in Briyad Bhagavatamrita also there, it is pointed out that uh, you know the uh, Pandavas are very dear devotees, but the Yadus are closer because Krishna lives with them. But among the Yadus, Uddhava is the closest of all. Of course, then we say they're closer to Krishna as the people of Vrindavan and ultimately Gopis and Radha. But anyway, among the people of Dwarka, Uddhava is considered to be very, very close. Uh, and as I mentioned previously, politically, yes, he can understand the situation and give good advice. Uh, but more than that, uh, he understands Krishna's attraction for Vrindavan and his attraction to the gopis, etc. So uh, that is even more important uh, that he understand that high level of uh, Krishna's mood and uh, his sentiments. And also his uh, separation from the people of Vrindavan. Uh, so Uddhava is highly qualified, so there's not a problem for him to give such advice. Uh, so in this case, uh, both choices are good. Uh, one, Jarasandha should be defeated because the kings are uh, pleading, you please rescue us. Uh, we've been imprisoned by him and we have to get out. Uh, so that's, and they're devotees, so uh, the Lord should rescue them. And simultaneously, Krishna's uh, mission, one of the missions in coming to uh, manifesting on earth is to uh, destroy all the Adharmic people and establish uh, Dharma. So therefore, this is uh, a proper activity. Uh, we can say this is a negative aspect, destruction of all the bad things. Huh? And then the other one is to uh, respond to King Yudhisthira, a devotee, 
who's making a request or, or a narda on his behalf, please come to the Rajasuya sacrifice so I can glorify you <laughs> uh, and I can do service for you by ruling on your behalf. This also is, we can say, fulfilling Krishna's promise that when he comes to the material world, he will destroy a dharma and he will nourish dharma. So uh, going to Yudhisthira's sacrifice is nourishing the dharma. It's proclaiming that uh, Yudhisthira is the favorite of Krishna, the Supreme Lord, uh, and that er everyone should support dharma. And of course, uh, Yudhisthira himself is a son of dharma, so uh, very, very appropriate that he support him. So, he should support the devotees definitely, and he should rescue the uh, devotees from the demon. Mm -hmm. Both are good things. <laughs> huh? So, it looks like a, uh, uh, what, a, a conflict, uh, simply because uh, whose desire we should fulfill first. Uh, and that's basically the conflict, which, which, which is better to do. Uh, which is often there in the material world also we have choices and which is the better thing to do. And sometimes we have different devotees say we should do this and other devotees say we do this and they start arguing. <laughs> this is better, this is better. Uh, which is the better thing to do? Uh, and usually if we think about it, it doesn't have to be a, a conflict or an argument because we can somehow figure out what the, what the solution is in which both people are satisfied. Uh, if we don't have you know, false ego or whatever. Uh, so, uh, here of course, it's all devotees, so we don't expect them to have false ego. Yudhisthira doesn't have false ego, and uh, uh, Yadus don't have false ego also, <laughs> because they're devotees of the Lord. Nevertheless, they may have strong opinions about something. Uh, uh, also, we can say an arrangement of Krishna's Leela Shakti or whatever. They, they're really enthusiastic to have Krishna do some, a particular thing. Uh, so, uh, in this case, because of the strong personalities involved, one a great devotee, Yudhisthira, on the other hand, the, the, the Yadus also very close to the Lord, on the other hand. Uh, so who, who's a superior devotee? It's hard to say. <laughs> are, are the Yadus greater than Yudhisthira? Never like that. And so, it's a little bit of a, a thing. How are we going to satisfy everyone? Uh, yeah, uh, there is a solution. And we see here that uh, Uddhava gives a nice explanation that satisfies everyone. Hmm? steer should be satisfied uh, because uh, it is proper that he does perform a Rajasuya sacrifice and uh, declare himself the king. Uh, Krishna's purpose is fulfilled by that, uh, that Dharma is reestablished. And of course, on the personal level, uh, Krishna should satisfy such a devotee uh, and act according to his wishes. Uh, and of course this will be blissful for Yudhisthira because in this way he gets to glorify Krishna. So he should satisfy his devotee in this way. So very good. But then in order to perform the Rajasuya sacrifice then all obstacles have to be removed. Huh? And we can't have Jarasandra with the, the kings imprisoned, etc., uh, and who refuses to submit to Yudhisthira. Then he cannot perform the Rajasuya sacrifice. So therefore, uh, we should perform the Rajasuya sacrifice, but at the same time, in order to do that, then we also have to defeat Jarasandra and free the kings. Huh? 
so, uh, in other words, the, uh, both things should be done. But then the sequence would be, first we have to uh, uh, eliminate Jarasandha and free the kings. Then we can have the Rajasuhi sacrifice. So uh, it's only a matter which one comes first, not that we do one or the other. Huh? So first uh, kill Jarasandha and then perform the Rajasuhi sacrifice. Huh? Uh, so the, if that's not done, uh, then there's a problem in performing a Rajasuya sacrifice. Uh, Yudhisthira can uh, proclaim himself the king, but then we have a dharma present in the form of uh, Jarasandha imprisoning the kings unjustly. Yeah? So how you can have a dharma and say at the same time, we, well, I control the earth? <laughs> Not possible. So it must be done. Somehow Jarasandha has to be eliminated and the kings have to be freed. So then uh, we can say that the uh, killing Jarasandra is a component of, uh, or it says in the purport, a prerequisite of performing the uh, Rajasuya sacrifice. So the two things go together, uh, not that they're separate things. Huh? Uh, and one leads to the other. So in this way, both things must be done, but uh, the Rajasuya sacrifice comes after the killing of Jarasandra. Huh? So in this way, the, the problem gets solved. Uh, and uh, Uddhava uh, very nicely analyzes the situation uh, so that everyone is satisfied. Uh, uh, the Yadus are satisfied because uh, uh, Jarasandra is uh, eliminated uh, and he's also a threat to the Yadus. And Yudhisthira is satisfied, Naradamuni is satisfied, uh, because the sacrifice also gets uh, performed and Krishna is present there, supporting it. Uh, uh, so, in other words, what looks like a problem, ultimately is not a problem. Uh, uh, simply because the, uh, the, the, there's two different opinions. Uh, it looks like there's, we have to do one or the other, but here the solution is, no, do both. <laughs> not one or the other, do both. Hmm? But a precedence goes to the killing of Jasana first, then the Rajasuya sacrifice. So it's simply a matter of order. Hmm. So uh, it takes a little intelligence to analyze things properly, especially if there are conflicting opinions and the people are very strong in their opinions. So uh, uh, here Uddhava very calmly analyzes the situation and very, he's very, uh, let's say, astute or clever at doing it. Uh, uh, he can understand the uh, aim of Krishna, the general aim of Krishna, with his you know, destroying a dharma and establishing dharma, etc. And then the detail is that in order to establish dharma, we have to eliminate the adharma. <laughs> Necessary. So uh, you may have to uh, kill all the uh, miscreant kings first, and then you can say, I have established dharma. Uh, uh, so that is uh, what takes place here. Uh, in other cases, of course, one can uh, simultaneously establish dharma and uh, destroy a dharma. And we see that also taking place in, in, in uh, the whole history of the Mahabharata. It's not that suddenly uh, all a dharma gets destroyed and dharma is established. 
even when a dharma is still present in the form of Duryodhana, everyone still the Pandavas are there and <laughs> uh, preaching is going on and they're still devotees and Krishna is supporting them uh, even though they don't control everything still there uh, there's some dharma there also uh, in this case of course particular situation is uh, the Rajasuya sacrifices a proclamation of uh, a Yudhisthira being the ruler of the world so therefore Necessarily, all these opposing elements should be uh, eliminated, huh? and especially the obvious ones. I mean, the small ones, okay, we can deal with later. But Jarasandra was a big, uh, big opponent, huh? constantly causing problems. Huh? So, uh, therefore, he should be eliminated. Uh, so, this is a, a very, uh, uh, say, um, intelligent analysis of the situation and a solution from the point of view of, uh, say. Politics and military uh, advice, and also in terms of devotion hmm? and uh, the, the fulfillment of Krishna's purposes. Hmm? Uh, ultimately, of course, uh, uh, we know that uh, Krishna's goal is, of course, destroy a dharma, uh, a dharma, establish dharma. But then, the ultimate purpose is. To give joy to the devotees and to associate with the devotees and perform pastimes with the devotees. That's the real, Lord's real purpose. <laughs> so therefore, his real purpose is to play in Vrindavan. <laughs> play with the gopis. <laughs> uh, whatever. And secondarily, okay, kill the demons also. They inter- interfere. Uh, so his main purpose is actually to give pleasure to his devotees. That's uh, the Ananda aspect of the Supreme Lord. Uh, uh, so, uh, though this, the uh, killing of Jarasandra is necessary, uh, that's also secondary type of thing. Uh, main element is to interact with his devotees. Uh, so, there's two types of interaction here. One is with Yudhisthira and the Pandavas, which he should do. And the other is with the Yadus. And he also has to respond to them very nicely and satisfy them. Uh, so, in this particular solution, both parties get satisfied. We can say, of course, Yudhisthira may be a little delay because he has to wait until uh, Jarasandha is eliminated. Nevertheless, uh, he is satisfied because Krishna personally appears in a sacrifice. And a very, very uh, a prestigious event where the Lord himself personally comes and serves everyone there. So, uh, Yudhisthira becomes completely satisfied with this. And then Krishna becomes satisfied with Yudhisthira's satisfaction. At the same time, uh, the, the Yadus are trying to protect Dharma also, and when uh, uh, Krishna makes a plan for uh, elimination of Jarasandha, then uh, the uh, uh, Yadus are very happy, and their sort of fighting spirit, uh, Kshatriya spirit, is satisfied by that. Huh? Their Virya aspect is satisfied when uh, Krishna agrees to eliminate Jarasandha. So, uh, in this way, we get a, uh, a nice solution to a problem. So, uh, and the, as I said, the ultimate uh, uh, goal of Krishna is the satisfaction of the devotees. Yeah? So, if uh, the Yadus are satisfied and the Pandavas are satisfied, then that is the best result. So, uh, this solution satisfies both parties. Uh, and therefore, a very, very good solution for everything. Huh? Uh, in the material world, we have, as I said, conflicts, etc. 
and uh, we, but our precedence is a little different. Here is everyone wants to satisfy Krishna, whether it's the Yadus or Yudhisthira. Their only their only purpose is to please Krishna. Huh? Uh, but we have a little conflict due to that. So then we can say it's an easy solution <laughs> because they're all dedicated to the Lord. Huh? In the material world, a little different because everybody has different purposes. They're not trying to satisfy the Lord. They're trying to satisfy this person, that side, their, themselves, or whatever like that. So very difficult to solve the problems of the material world because they're so, uh, uh, the interests are so diverse. How you can satisfy all these interests simultaneously? You cannot. Hmm? So therefore, in the material world, material conflicts are, we can say, insolvable on the material level. We cannot solve them because everyone's got their personal interests. And if you satisfy one, you don't satisfy the other. Uh, but here, spiritual world, everyone's trying to satisfy Krishna. So it's all kind of unified together. And what looks like a problem gets resolved in this way. Uh, so therefore, the problem, uh, the, how we resolve problems in the material world Everybody has to give up their self-interest. Then the problem is solved. <laughs> if they don't, and they keep holding on to their interest, then you'll never solve the problem. <laughs> huh? So that is a very interesting fact that we have to admit in the uh, material world. And if we have conflicts in the material world, that we analyze things carefully, and then we tell people to give up their false ego and their self-interest, then we can solve the problem. But otherwise, we can't. Uh, the problems will go on forever. So in that way, uh, Krishna consciousness is the solution. As Prabhupada said, we have United Nations, but we keep dividing the nations up further and further, having more conflicts and more nations. Uh, so that doesn't solve the problem, because everybody's got their self-interest and their false ego. Uh, uh, but if everybody's interest is Krishna, then we can have the unity. Uh, very logical type of uh, analysis. Uh, uh. So, yeah, a simple solution. Only difficulty is people don't want to give up their false ego. <laughs> they don't want to surrender to Krishna. This is the only problem. <laughs> so that's the, uh, the big lack is the lack of Krishna consciousness in the material world. People don't want to give up their uh, self-interest and false ego and whatever. And instead, they want to hold on to that and they don't want to surrender. But if everyone to surrender, then we could have unity. Uh, so it may look a little bit um, utopian or imaginary that it's some uh, you know, imaginary goal that cannot be achieved. Uh, but uh, that also is the, the purpose of uh, the material world and uh, Krishna's uh, sending the Manus and their descendants into the world and uh, sending the devotees into the world, establishing scripture in the world. Hmm? to make that attempt <laughs> to get people off the bodily platform huh? and understand uh, there's unity on a higher level. Huh? And that means ultimately everyone has to accept the existence of the Supreme Lord and his authority and his laws and obey those laws. Huh? But more important than that, of course, is that's the Dharma aspect. The other aspect is the love aspect. Everyone should establish a loving relationship with the Lord, not just a, a formal uh, follow-the-order relationship, but rather a loving relationship to the Lord. So that is the bhakti aspect of everything. That hmm, One should establish that. And that gives rise to bliss. Hmm. So if we have bliss as the goal, then uh, everyone can 
uh, everyone wants bliss. Uh, so then everyone can agree to that. Uh, so that is why in Kali Yuga, uh, uh, worship of Krishna is considered to be the only method. Let us not start this karma yoga, gyan yoga, stanga yoga, just do bhakti yoga. And not just bhakti yoga, but bhakti yoga to Krishna, who's the highest form of bliss of all. So again, it's not irrational, it's quite a logical conclusion that we should go for the highest bliss. And so therefore worship Krishna. So that is the whole purpose of Bhagavatam, to have everyone worship Krishna. And in this way, if they're interested in happiness, then worship Krishna, get the highest bliss. That solves the, uh, the, the problems. Uh, everybody's interest is satisfying Krishna. Now, of course, if we want to get our bliss, we can say, well, that's self-interest. I get bliss. Yes, in one sense. But it's explained that the, uh, bliss is also the nature of the jiva. It's not that he has bliss automatically because here in the material we're suffering in ignorance, but uh, the, the jiva wants bliss, wants happiness. He gravitates towards that. Unfortunately, in the material world, it gets all tangled up with false ego and false identification, etc., etc. So we try to get our bliss through material things and ignorance, and that doesn't work out at all. Nevertheless, everyone established uh, looking for some sort of happiness, whether it's a plant or an animal or a human being or a devata or Lord Brahma, some idea of happiness, happiness. And in the spiritual world, again, everyone, happiness is the goal, again, ananda. And that's the, the Krishna's main quality is ananda also. <laughs> so that extends to all the jivas as well. Somehow uh, they should be satisfied by that experience of bliss. Uh, so it is natural that the Jeevas should uh, strive for that. It's just a matter of how to do it. So everyone in the material world is convinced, yes, we try to be happy by satisfying our material body, our senses, etc. And our extension of our senses, our family. And that's how we get our happiness. So that's the conception of the material world. And all individuals and all communities and all governments are working on that thing. Let us give people happiness by supplying something to their material body. And we can measure their happiness by the amount of things we give the people. <laughs> the index of happiness is in terms of, I think, what is, what is it, um, uh, how, annual income or something. <laughs> I mean, but it doesn't work that way. <laughs> because when we find the poor countries are happier than the, than the wealthy countries. <laughs> so we get opposite results. But they, you know, they measure the, you know, the, 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 the thing by economic growth or whatever. It doesn't work. So though it's an obvious fact, still we continue in that mode. Uh, again, the, the, the question is, okay, what, how do we get the happiness? So the material thing doesn't really work. Uh, that, that, that thing. So the alternative is uh, the spiritual one. Uh, we don't try to satisfy the body, try to satisfy the atma, the soul, the jiva. Uh, and you cannot satisfy the jiva with material things. We can only satisfy the jiva with other living things. <laughs> huh? So the main living thing is Supreme Lord. He is the perfect, conscious, knowledgeable, blissful, uh, full of all wonderful qualities person. He's the most perfect person. 
So therefore, the Supreme Lord is the natural object of love. Uh, so we, we get the, the bliss through, not through objects, but through person. And which person? Supreme Lord. Reflection of that is material world. We try objects, doesn't work. Then we try persons. So we try loving relationships. That also doesn't work out. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, people keep trying. So at least, you know, they, they're going in some sort of right direction, but they're, they're looking at persons in terms of material bodies. Uh, so the real thing is to establish relationship between jiva, not the body, but the jiva and Supreme Lord. Then we have spiritual relationship. So that loving relationship is bhakti, which matures as prema. And then we get the happiness, the ananda. So if the, if the jiva makes Krishna the center of his life, then that solves all the problems. Uh, not only individually because he gets his happiness, but every, if everybody else goes in that direction, then we have something in common, common goal. And therefore, no conflict. As we see with the devotees here, the center is always Krishna, so ultimately no conflict. So similarly, uh, in the material world, if we uh, take up Krishna consciousness and aim for relationship with the Supreme Lord and satisfying Him, then our conflicts should resolve. If they don't, that means we're still fighting on this individual level, uh, individual ego, etc. So uh, there's something wrong. We're, we're, not, we're not going in the right direction. So if we, are, we, are, we have a prominence of uh, dedication to Krishna, all the other things become secondary and therefore we can solve the conflicts and the problems that arise between us huh? uh, by that strength of attraction to Krishna. Huh? Uh, so that is the solution to the conflict of the material world. So uh, Krishna creates the material world and he uh, puts the manus and their descendants there to establish dharma and bhakti. He puts the devotees there as well, like Narada Muni and others. Uh, so on, on different levels, the Lord is trying to bring the jivas away from their self-interest towards the Supreme Lord. Huh? So the Dharma aspect of uh, establishing Varnashram is the preliminary aspect. So at least get the jiva a little bit away from his ego and his material identification. Not radically, but let's say gradually, huh? by establishing rules, at least, to control the senses. Huh? So once the senses are controlled, then we can think a little clearer. Huh? And we develop less self-interest, which means ultimately we gravitate towards sattva-gun. And as sattva-gun, uh, as far as material consciousness is concerned, we have less self-interest. And then we begin to appreciate also soul, atma. So we can understand that we're not the body in sattva gun. So that's a, a, a good realization to have. And consequently, less attached to material world. So that's the, the purpose of the whole Varnashram system, to raise the jiva up over many births to sattva gun birth. Then you can start thinking about atma and body and difference, etc. 
from that he can get the Supreme Lord. But it's indirect. It only goes that far. So then the continuation is to perform bhakti. Or, of course, if, if we have uh, a daiva varnashram where we have bhakti and built into it, then the uh, process is quite natural that uh, as one advances towards uh, sattva, then one would take up uh, more enthusiastically the process of bhakti. Nevertheless, we get a distinction between the processes, and we have different names, karma yoga, jnana yoga, stanga yoga, and we have bhakti yoga, uh, because of the uh, prominence of interest. So when the interest is mainly to establish a relationship with the Lord, then we call that bhakti. And we perform activities which directly will uh, establish that relationship. We engage our senses and our mind in such a way that that relationship becomes stronger. So that's what we call bhakti yoga. So, uh, of the different processes, <clears throat> though the other processes are there, Bhagavatam again condemns everything else. <laughs> Ultimately, uh, as we see uh, many times in the different stories, how uh, attachment to sacrifices and karma kanda, etc., gets condemned, and uh, even liberation gets condemned. Uh, getting out of the material world through jnana and yoga ultimately gets condemned. Uh, and only thing left is bhakti. Uh, uh, so therefore, advice in Kali Yuga is uh, just concentrate on the process of bhakti. That's the, that's the, uh, the main thing we should concentrate on. Uh, other things we can do to support the bhakti. But the main thing is uh, do the bhakti. And of course, within bhakti itself, then we have different processes, and then chanting the holy name is the highest process again. So uh, we get a whole series of arrangements made by the Supreme Lord to help us establish that relationship with the Supreme Lord. And that's the solution to all the problems in the material world. Huh? Uh, otherwise, if we don't do that, then everybody's left with their own self-interest, and we never solve the problems. Therefore, there will always be conflict. And instead of getting happiness, we get suffering. So uh, this is the position of the material world. Uh, so the only solution is to establish this relationship with Krishna. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Spiritual conflict. <laughs> yes, conflict. The, other, the other thing I'd like, I'm asking you two questions. So the, the other thing is also in, in the same book, Rupa Goswami talks about um, Samartha, love. Mm. Because you talked about that we're bliss-seeking, and in one sense you could say that all bliss-seeking is self-interest. 
But Guru Goswami talks about a bliss seeking that is not at all self-interest. Yeah, yeah. The samartha, where your happiness is totally one with the happiness of the Lord. If yeah. you're willing to speak about both of those things, mm-hmm. it would be yeah. very grateful. Yeah. So, the, uh, yes, there's a conflict in the spiritual world. Because of that, then people will say, ah, we don't want to go there. <laughs> this is like the material world. <laughs> Having all these problems up there as well. But... Uh, as Rupa Goswami explains that all of these things are actually uh, the conflict and the matsarya and the envy and whatever and the criticism and whatever that they do to each other is an aspect, a secondary aspect uh, which you can say is the vebachari aspect of their Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Shiva Siddhigaur Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Reading from Srimad Bhavan Kandro 10, Chapter 71, Verse 4. Asma 
Who will release? Translation, by this decision there will be great gain for us and you will save the kings. Thus, Govinda, you will be glorified. Text 5, the invincible king Jarasandha is as strong as 10,000 elephants. Indeed, other powerful warriors cannot defeat him. Only Bhima is equal to him in strength. Purport, Sridhar Swami explains that Yadavas were extremely eager to kill Jarasandha and thus to caution them. Sri Uddhava spoke this verse. Jarasandha's death could come only by the hand of Bhima. Srila Vishnu Chakravarti adds that Uddhava had previously deduced this from the Jyoti Raga and other astrological scriptures he had learned from his teacher Brihaspati. He will be defeated in a match of single chariots, not when he is with his hundred military divisions. Now, Jarasand is so devoted to Brahminical culture that he never refuses requests for Brahmanas. Purport. It might be argued that since only Bhima could equal Jarasand in personal strength, Jarasand would be more powerful when supported by his huge army. Therefore, Uddhava here recommends single combat. But how could Jarasandha be persuaded to give up the support of his powerful army? Here Uddhava gives the clue. Jarasandha will never refuse a request from a Brahmana since he is devoted to Brahminical culture. Bhima should go to him disguised as a Brahmana and beg charity. Thus he will obtain single combat with Jarasandha 
and in your presence, Bhima will no doubt kill him. Purport, the idea is that Bhima should beg his charity a one-to-one -one fight with Jarasandha. Even Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva act only as your instruments in cosmic creation and annihilation, which are ultimately done by you, the Supreme Lord, in your invisible aspect of time. Purport Uddhava here explains that, in fact, Lord Krishna himself will cause the death of Jarasandha, and Bhima will merely be the instrument. The Supreme Lord, through his invincible potency of time, creates and annihilates the entire cosmic situation, uh, whereas great demigods such as Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva are merely the instruments of the Lord's will. Therefore, Bhima will have no difficulty acting as the Lord's instrument to kill the powerful Jarasandha. In this way, by the Lord's arrangement, his devotee, Bhima, will be glorified. So, uh, here we have the explanation of uh, Uddhava of what to do. And we see, of course, he's uh, explained already that uh, first Jarasandha has to be killed and then uh, Krishna should attend the Rajasuya sacrifice. So in this way, both parties are satisfied. However, there are other complications, and uh, that is explained here. So uh, the complication is that Jarasandha is very difficult to defeat. And uh, if the Yadus try it by themselves, they will fail. Yeah? Uh, so the only person who is capable of doing that is Bhima. But then that also is a problem because Bhima cannot defeat the whole army <laughs> along with Jarasandha. So therefore, uh, Uddhava devises this trick by which uh, Bhima gets a, a single fight with Jarasandha and doesn't involve the army at all. And that is, he gets disguised as a Brahmana and then gets a, uh, um, a, a gift or uh, uh, something from uh, Jarasandha and then he asks to fight with him. So, so this is the, uh, the, the, uh, the complicated uh, way in which Jarasandha will be defeated. So this again is the intelligence of uh, Uddhava uh, manifested. Uh, we see that uh, he was aware that uh, Jarasandha could not be defeated by ordinary means, even by the Yadus. Uh, so therefore, uh, Bhima would have to do that by some sort of trick. And even there later on, we see there's a further trick that has to be done so that uh, uh, Jarasandha is defeated. So... Uh, and uh, Uddhava was quite aware of this complicated situation, so therefore he's giving very, very good advice here. So this illustrates the um, intelligence of Uddhava and able to, uh, his ability to uh, solve this problem of how to get rid of Jarasandha, uh, of course, as well as to satisfy the uh, Pandavas, etc. And we see that here the Pandavas are also involved in this, even in this particular uh, killing of Jarasandha, we have uh, Bhima involved. Uh, so it's not the Yadus who are involved, but Bhima is involved. So this again is a glorification of uh, uh, the Pandavas and uh, Bhima, the devotee. Uh, uh, the Lord uh, uses uh, the Pandavas as his instrument. Uh, now, of course, the uh, you can say the Yadus are close, more closely related to him, as uh, so far as family line is concerned. Uh, 
uh, and generally they're considered more intimate than the Pandavas, yet we see that uh, Krishna is uh, sometimes uh, shows his great affection for the Pandavas by uh, involving them in uh, these matters such as uh, this one where Bhima is the one who kills uh, Jarasandha. In other case, we see that Arjuna becomes the instrument of Krishna for uh, fighting the battle of Kurukshetra. So uh, this shows the great attachment that the Lord has for his devotee in uh, utilizing them and then glorifying them for their the role they play. Uh, so in other words, the Lord likes to engage his devotee and also to give fame to his devotee. Uh, 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 and ultimately, of course, all power is coming from the Supreme Lord, but uh, the Lord likes to glorify his devotees. So uh, the, this is a nice example of it in the case of uh, Bhima. And it shows his very intimate relationship with the Pandavas, that they are uh, very, very great devotees. So the Lord will do this. Huh? Uh, the, of course, uh, Uddhava also understands the, uh, uh, the sensitive nature of this. Uh, actually, the Yadus are closer than the, uh, the Pandavas. Huh? Uh, yet he is willing to uh, advise that uh, the, it's one of the Pandavas that gets to kill <laughs> Jarasandha, not the Yadus. So even though by family relationship Uddhava is a Yadu, uh, he doesn't consider that uh, in his advice that he gives. Uh, in other words, he does not have any sort of false ego or identity that we Yadus are superior to uh, the Pandavas, uh, either military-wise or in terms of intimate relationship with Krishna. Uh, rather, he's seeing what is the best solution to this problem. Hmm? Uh, so, this illustrates his uh, 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 equal nature, that he has no preference for one thing or the other. Rather, he's willing to simply engage according to the situation uh, to see what is the most effective solution without taking sides one way or the other. Uh, so, he's a rather neutral person as well. Uh, so that is required by a good consultant or a good minister. They have to be neutral. They have to be intelligent. They have to understand human nature. So here we have human nature, his understanding of human nature, because he understands how Jarasandha is uh, affectionate to brahmanas, and therefore if they ask for something, uh, he will give it. So he understands Jarasandha's nature as well. Uh, uh, otherwise, he cannot be uh, tricked into, you know, fighting uh, alone with another person. He'll use his army, but this is one way in which it can be done. So he takes advantage of his particular nature of being kind to uh, brahmanas or respectful to brahmanas. Huh? Uh, so in this way, we have a, a demonstration of Uddhava's great skills in relation to uh, solving this particular uh, problem. Hmm? Uh, and... Uh, this, of course, is uh, uh, Krishna's engagement of Uddhava, just as he is engaging the Pandavas and the Yadus as his instruments. So uh, he also engages Uddhava as his instrument. Uh, so here, uh, uh, as was mentioned previously, of course, Krishna could have solved the problem, but uh, he's uh, giving the credit to Uddhava. Uh, uh, let, he's letting Uddhava manifest his great skill 
in uh, solving this particular problem. Uh, so, uh, and, and by doing so, then Uruva gets uh, glorification and fame as well. As I mentioned previously, uh, though the Yadus are generally considered to be on a higher level than the Pandavas in terms of intimacy with the Lord, because uh, even though Krishna becomes a charioteer of Arjuna and acts for Yudhisthira and uh, attends his Rajasuya sacrifice, still they live separately. Certainly Krishna goes and lives in their house, but it's not constant. And uh, and the majority of the time he is in Dwarka with the Yadus. So then that indicates that he is closer to them uh, and his attachment to them is even more than to the Pandavas. However, among the uh, Yadus, then Uddhva is considered to be the most intimate uh, of all the different Yadus, uh, more than anyone else because he is constantly with Krishna and Dwarka. When Narada Muni goes to uh, see who's the best devotees, then uh, they suggest, Pandavas say, okay, Yadus are better. So then uh, Narada Muni goes to Dwarka and then he observes and he praises the Yadus because Krishna is always there. And then the Yadus say, not so true, because we only see Krishna when he comes into the assembly in the morning for a few hours, and then he leaves, and we don't see him again. (laughs) He's there for a few hours, then he's gone, and we don't see him. He's back in his palace again. But Uddhava is with him in the assembly, and also when he goes into his palaces, he's everywhere with Krishna. Therefore, he is more intimate than we are. He's a better devotee. So this is the conclusion of the Yadus, that of all of them, uh, Uddhava is the uh, best devotee because he's with Krishna everywhere in Dwarka. So certainly as far as Dwarka and those pastimes are concerned, that is true. Uh, And there are many statements by Krishna himself and Bhagavatam to show his great connection with Uddhava. And in fact, just as uh, Krishna recited the Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna, which is, again, a show of his affection for him and a glorification of Arjuna. So, in Bhagavatam, there is the whole section in the 11th canto where Krishna is explaining to Uddhava various things. Huh? Uh, all the different subject matters like karma, gyan, yoga, bhakti, etc. Huh? Uh, so, a very similar type of uh, teachings are given to Uddhava as well. Uh, and not to all the Yadus, but particularly to Uddhava. So then again, uh, a great, great, great affection for uh, Uddhava. So therefore, he likes to uh, glorify Uddhava. As I mentioned, Uddhava, apart from all of his uh, uh, skills in this way, uh, his outstanding uh, nature is that he can understand uh, Krishna's mind more than anyone else and particularly in relation to his attachment to the people of Vrindavan so he can understand that the only other person in Dwarka that can do that is Rohini because Rohini was also in Vrindavan previously but Vasudeva and Devaki they weren't there Uh, nobody else was there Rohini was there Uddhava was not there Uh, but still 
his quality is such that he could appreciate this nature of Krishna, and that's why Krishna sent him to Vrindavan to give the message to the uh, gopis and Nanda and Yasoda, because he could uh, appreciate their mood and he could deliver a message to them and console them, whereas others could not do so. Uh, so in other words, he was a, a substitute for Krishna, uh, uh, and uh, he was able to do that in, in Vrindavan. Uh, so Uddhava had a very uh, intimate relationship such that he even understood not only the Dwarka pastimes and how to operate and give advice there, but also for Vrindavan and Krishna's relationship with those people, and he could give advice there also very nicely. Uh, so uh, Uddhava was, we can say, a bridge between uh, Dwarka and uh, Vrindavan. He could, he could go both places, whereas most people don't do that. Uh, other, we don't see the other Yadus going to Vrindavan. Kura went there for a short time, then he's gone. Uh, but uh, Uddhava could go back and forth, and he does that afterwards as well, according to Gopal Champu. So uh, Uddhava's got a very special relationship with Vrindavan as well as with uh, Dwarka. And uh, he's allowed to witness the wonderful activities of the people of Vrindavan. So that's even a, a greater qualification on the part of Uddhava more than his other qualifications. Huh? Still, huh? Uddhava says, I only aspire to be the servant of the people of Vrindavan or the grass of Vrindavan, etc. Like Brahma aspires to be like grass in Vrindavan. So Uddhava says, I would aspire to follow after the gopis, etc. like that. Huh? Huh? But Still, he cannot really participate in the same way. He's somewhat, he's limited also. So therefore, there's some little distinction between him and the people of Vrindavan. Uh, 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 and his mood, of course, is uh, largely dasya, with a little sakya mixed in. So, uh, But a uh, very, very intimate relationship with Krishna. So, uh, therefore, uh, like Krishna himself likes to give uh, credit to his devotees and use them to glorify them. So Uddhava does this also by making the suggestion that uh, uh, the, the Yadush should not interfere and try to kill Jarasandha, rescue the kings, but Bhima should do that. Huh? Uh, and this way, Bhima gets the glorification, the, uh, the Pandavas get the glorification rather than the Yadus. But uh, he does this uh, out of his a uh, great understanding of uh, Krishna's nature as well. So therefore, in both pastimes, we get a show of Krishna's affection for the Pandavas, even though he is in Dwarka. So though he lives in Dwarka, that does not mean he forgets the Pandavas. So still, uh, somehow his uh, relationship is there, his affection is there, his obligation is there. Uh, so we find uh, within this pastime of uh, uh, first killing Jarasandha and uh, what, agreeing to the advice of the Yadus. Still, even here we have a glorification of the Pandavas, <laughs> and a show of affection for the Pandavas by letting Bhima do the work of uh, killing Jarasandha. So, uh, in this way, in, in, in both of the alternatives, that is, uh, uh, killing Jarasandha or going to the Rajasuya sacrifice, we got a display of affection for the Pandavas. Huh? Uh, in this case with Bhima, other case with 
Yudhishthir. So, uh, again, uh, we find a very, very interesting way in which uh, Krishna arranges his pastimes and uh, shows his affection. So, uh, and Uddhava is, uh, understands all of these uh, intricacies of uh, Krishna's sentiments and how he likes to arrange things. So, uh, uh, therefore, this uh, explanation that he's given, this plan that he is giving, is uh, a display of that uh, great sympathy with uh, Krishna's mind. Though he wasn't intimate with Uddhava at that time. Well, I guess he had about three months. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they hadn't met before. Uh, nor had he met the other uh, Yadus, except, of course, Vasudeva and Devaki at birth. Uh, so, yeah, a little bit strange. Uh, they were strangers, and they maybe three months acquaintance or whatever like that. Uh, nevertheless, uh, Uddhava was similar age, similar appearance, similar mentality, etc. So, uh, from the very beginning, they seemed to have a great bond with each other and uh, Krishna could understand his particular nature. Why it was like that, that's Krishna's arrangement. <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, somehow or other, uh, he just uh, happened to be a person who had uh, a nature which was particularly suitable for Krishna and he could, who could operate sometimes in Mathura and Dwarka and on the other hand in Vrindavan. Huh? Yeah, so Krishna just recognized that nature. Huh? Uh, we can say that's his, maybe his, uh, that this, uh, the, his, his swarup is like that, that he has that quality uh, to be able to appreciate uh, both realms. Well, we find this is the case of many demons. <laughs> they somehow respect brahmanas. <laughs> uh, we find uh, Bali Maharaj, when he was demon, uh, he was holding sacrifices and also respecting brahmanas. And therefore, when uh, Vamana made his request, and he said, oh yeah, he's a young brahmachari brahmana, so I have to fulfill his request in spite of the fact that it's going to destroy me. So... Uh, and we find other cases also where they, the, the great demons will be worshipping Shiva or someone else like this. So, so superficially, yes, they support the brahmanas, but the demons really do that for their own purposes. Yeah? Uh, according to Dharma, yes, they have these principles, but then their concept of Dharma is also distorted. Yeah? So they will follow principles of Dharma, but the goal is different. Yeah? So that is what we can say the difference between a uh, 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 Asuric Varnashram and a Daiva Varnashram. 
they look very similar and they may have similar rules, uh, but the Asurik Varnashram, they exclude the Lord completely. They ignore the Lord. And in fact, not only ignore the Lord, they may be hostile to the Lord, as in the case of Duryodhana and uh, others like that. Huh? It is said that Duryodhana, he was ruling for some years, and um, actually, he was a very good king in many ways, quite efficient as a king and with knowledge of rules of Dharma. But the, the main problem was he didn't accept the Supreme Lord, <laughs> he didn't accept Krishna at all. They had animosity towards the Pandavas who were the devotees of the Lord. So that was his great disqualification. And therefore, that led him to do other acts which are completely, you know, abroad and sin, etc. So yes, the demons show some aspects of Dharma. Then on the other hand, they show the opposite qualities as well. So uh, superficially, they may say we're great kings. But then we look at all the activities they do and we see them as so greatly sinful activities and, and, and great uh, offensive activities as well within them uh, because of their particular nature. So uh, all those, the, the good aspects are canceled out completely by their non-surrender to the Lord and persecution of devotees. Yeah. So that means he could not get a complete knowledge from uh, Bhrishwati. Can you say? Uda didn't get complete knowledge from Bhrishwati because? Because Krishna is teaching him 11 countries. Oh, well, having been the disciple of Bhrishwati in one sense is not an ultimate praise because Bhrishwati is guru, the devatas, and he's famous for knowledge, but still. He's not the famous as the greatest devotee also. <laughs> so in one type of knowledge, yes. Uh, uh, okay. But in terms of devotion, that's another thing. Uh, so uh, therefore, for knowledge of bhakti and other things, uh, concerning the Supreme Lord, especially Krishna, mm, not so uh, effective. Huh? Some people say that this is not in Bhagavad Gita. That is in Bhagavad Gita. What is not in Bhagavad Gita? Uh, we, we could say this details, uh, further details in, in the 11th canto. For instance, uh, we'll find a description of deity worship there. Yeah, in, in Bhagavad Gita, it says, offer me a leaf or fruit or flower. That's the extent we get. <laughs> so no details of things. So in, in uh, 11th canto, we get more details of, you know, Pancharatri deity worship. And then, of course, on the, there's more details on the yoga system, more details on the karma yoga and the duties of the varnas and ashramas, etc. Oh, yeah, so we can say it's an enlargement of those principles of karma, jnana, yoga, and bhakti. And in fact, jnana uh, spends a whole two chapters there on jnana even. So, uh, and then, of course, bhakti has uh, got some elaborate descriptions also. Uh, well, not completely, but at least to some degree. Huh? Obviously not completely. He cannot understand everything. But uh, more than uh, others could. Yeah? For instance, the Yadus. 
like uh, very difficult for them to understand anybody in Vrindavan what to speak of the gopis. You know, a little <laughs> what is Nanda or Yasoda or the cowherd boys. Very difficult for the Yadus to think of that. Huh? When uh, Gopakumar uh, was in uh, Dwarka in the spiritual world, and the Yadus were looking at change your dress, don't be a cowherd boy, <laughs> we don't appreciate this. Yeah? So uh, their mentality is quite different. <laughs> Uddhava, on the other hand, he had great sympathy for uh, him and he stayed with him actually when he was there. So, yeah, and he was with him and then he, he got along with him very well because he appreciated Vrindavan and therefore he had no objection. He understood the, you know, the nature of Vrindavan, etc. So, uh, uh, very sympathetic. So, uh, still, uh, in terms of rasa, uh, he can appreciate, but he cannot identify completely with it, just as even in Vrindavan, uh, they all understand Madhurya rasa, but they have their own particular uh, Sakya rasa or Dasya rasa or Vatsalya rasa, etc. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, he could understand them much more than the other Yadus could. Uh, uh, even the Yadus cannot even really understand Yasoda and Nanda and their affection for Krishna. Uh, uh, when Devaki saw uh, Nanda and Yasoda crying and embracing Krishna and Balaram at Kurukshetra, she was shocked. <laughs> Couldn't understand. It's not even your child how you're so affectionate to him. Huh? So, what to speak of the gopis, you know, uh, they can't even understand Yasoda's affection or anyone else's affection in Vrindavan. So, uh, uh, you know, quite, quite a great distance. <laughs> even, even when uh, when Madhavish kept Krishna on her lap, how is it possible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> how is it possible? Yeah. So, Nanda and Yasoda, they saw Krishna as small children still. Even when they were growing up and like kings, you know, in Dwarka. <laughs> so, they didn't see that aspect at all. The completely different vision of Krishna. So, um, Uddhava could appreciate that, that the way in which the uh, people of Vrindavan uh, loved Krishna and how they exchanged with him various things. So, uh, even though he had, you know, a, a respectful relationship because his relationship is Dasya with Krishna, but still he could appreciate everyone's relationship. Uddhav is not considered one of the Mahajans, but he is supposed to be closest to Krishna, understanding Krishna the most. Then how is the difference between a Mahajan? Well, the, the, the Mahajans are a list given in the Bhagavatam in one place. That's uh, general bhakti. Uh, probably the best of those devotees there would be Sukadev and maybe uh, like that. But otherwise we get, you know, devotees who are, uh, you know, uh, devotees, but they're not on the highest level. Uh, uh, so uh, in the Brihad Bhagavatamrita, we have a more systematic categorization, uh, categorization of the uh, different types of devotees in which we get Prahlad and others and whatever. 
and Druva and others, but ultimately uh, it, it goes beyond, much beyond what the Mahajans. <laughs> so we get uh, we get uh, Pandavas, Yadus, and then the people of Vrindavan, and then finally the Gopis, who are not mentioned at all as Mahajans. We don't have Radha as a Mahajan, but she's the greatest devotee. So it's a very general description when we talk about Mahajans. This is devotion in general. There are the authority to propagate knowledge. Yeah, uh, yeah. Krishna, yeah. so today we are giving a wonderful book, Sri Bhagat Bhagavata by Sanatana Goswami. Three parts available. First, finding the essence of Supreme God's mercy. Second part is glories of Goloka. And third part is glories of Goloka controlled. So, this is a wonderful book. By Sanatana Goswami, where the devotee starts from lower level and reaches to the Vrindavan. Anyone who wants to get from Maharaj can come. First, Srinivas Nathai Prabhu already made some arrangement. She will be getting first copy. Srinivas Nathai Prabhu. Oh, Father. 
Vibrations resounding from Murdangas, berries, kettle drums, conch shells, and gomuklas filled the sky in all directions. Lord Krishna set out on his journey. He was accompanied by the chief officers of his corps of chariots, elephants, infantry, and cavalry, and surrounded on all sides by his fierce personal bodyguard. Lord Achuta's faithful wives, along with their children, followed the Lord on golden palanquins carried by powerful men. The queens were adorned with fine clothing, ornaments, fragrant oils, and flower garlands, and they were surrounded on all sides by soldiers carrying swords and shields in their hands. Purport according to Sridhar Swami, the word Vanji indicates that some of Lord Krishna's queens were transported by horse-drawn conveyances. On all sides proceeded finely adorned women attendants of the royal household as well as courtesans. They rode on palanquins and camels, bulls and buffalo, donkeys, mules, bullock carts and elephants. Their conveyances were all fully loaded with grass, tents, blankets, clothes and other items for the trip. Purport Srila Vishnu Chakravarti explains that the household attendants mentioned here included washerwomen and other helpers. The Lord's army boasted royal umbrellas, chamara fans, and huge flagpoles with waving banners. During the day, the sun's rays reflected brightly from the soldiers' fine weapons, jewelry, helmets, and armor. Thus, Lord Krishna's army, noisy with shouts and clatter, appeared like an ocean, stirred with agitated waves and tamingala fish. Honored by Sri Krishna, the chief of the Yadus, Narada Muni bowed down to the Lord. All of Narada's senses were satisfied by his meeting with Lord Krishna. Thus, having heard the decision of the Lord and having been worshipped by him, Narada placed him firmly within his heart and departed through the sky. With pleasing words, the Lord addressed the messenger sent by the kings. 
My dear messenger, I wish all good fortune to you. I shall arrange for the killing of King Magadha. Do not fear. Purport, uh, the statement ma baishta, do not fear, is in the plural being intended for both the messenger and the king. Similarly, the expression badram, va, blessings unto you, is also in the plural expressing uh, similar intent. Thus addressed, the messenger departed and accurately related the Lord's message to the kings. Eager for freedom, they then waited expectantly for their meeting with Lord Krishna. Purport, the great Vaishnava scholar Shiddhajiva Goswami comments here that by force of circumstances of the kings began focusing their attention on Lord Krishna alone. As he traveled through the provinces of Anarta, Sauvira, Marudesh, and Vinashana, Lord Hardy crossed rivers and passed mountains, cities, villages, cow pastures, and quarries. After crossing the rivers of Drishadvati and Saraswati, he passed through Panchala and Matsya and finally came to Indraprastha. King Yudhisthira was delighted to hear that the Lord, whom human beings rarely see, had now arrived. Accompanied by his priests and dear associates, the king came out to meet Lord Krishna. As songs and musical instruments resounded, Along with the loud vibrations of Vedic hymns, the king went forth with great reverence to meet Lord Trishkesha, just as the senses go forth to meet the consciousness of life. Purport, Lord Krishna is here described as Trishkesha, the Lord of the senses, and King Yudhisthira is rushing to the Lord's compared to the senses eagerly joining the consciousness of life. Without consciousness, the senses are useless. Indeed, the senses function through consciousness. Similarly, when the individual souls are bereft of Krishna consciousness, love of God, they enter into a useless and illusory struggle called material existence. Pure devotees like King Yudhisthira are never bereft of the Lord's association, for they keep him always within their heart. And yet they feel special ecstasy when they see the Lord after long separation, as described here. The heart of King Yudhisthira melted with affection when he saw his dear most friend, Lord Krishna, after such a long separation, and he embraced the Lord again and again. The eternal form of Lord Krishna is the everlasting residence of the goddess of fortune. As soon as King Yudhisthira embraced him, uh, the king became uh, free of all contamination of material existence. He immediately felt transcendental bliss and merged in an ocean of happiness. There were tears in his eyes and his body shook due to ecstasy. He completely forgot that he was living in this material world. Uh, the above translation is taken from Krishna and Prabhupada's Krishna. Then Bhima, his eyes brimming with tears, laughed with joy as he embraced his maternal cousin, Krishna. Arjuna and the twins, Nakula and Sahadev, also joyfully embraced their dear most friend, the infallible Lord, and they cried, 
profusely. After Arjuna had embraced him once more and Nakola and Sahadev had offered him their obeisances, Lord Krishna bowed down to the brahmanas and elders present and thus properly honoring the respectable members of the Kuru, uh, Sunjai and Kaikaya clans. Purport, Srila Sridhar Swami mentioned that since Arjuna was considered Lord Krishna's social equal, when Arjuna tried to bow down to him, Lord Krishna held Arjuna by his arms so he would only embrace him. The twins, however, being junior cousins, bowed down and grasped Lord Krishna's feet. Suttas, Magadas, Gandharvas, Vandis, Jesters, and Brahmanas all glorified the lotus-eyed Lord. Some reciting prayers, some dancing and singing. As Merdungas, conch shells, kettle drums, venas, panavas, and gomukas resounded. Thus, surrounded by his well-wishing relatives and praised on all sides, Lord Krishna, the crest jewel of the justly renowned, entered the decorated city. Prabhupada writes, While Lord Krishna was entering the city, all the people were talking among themselves about the glories of the Lord, praising his transcendental name, qualities, form, etc. The roads of Indraprastha were sprinkled with water, perfumed by liquid from elephants' foreheads, and colorful flags, golden gateways, and full water pots enhanced the city's splendor. Uh, men and young girls were beautifully arrayed in fine new garments adorned with flower garlands and ornaments and anointed with aromatic sandalwood paste. Every home displayed glowing lamps and respectful offerings, and from the holes of the lattice windows drifted incense, uh, further beautifying the city. Banners waved, and roofs were decorated with golden domes and broad silver bases. Thus, Krishna saw the royal city of the king of the Kurus. Purport. Srila Prabhupada adds in this connection, Lord Krishna thus entered the city, the Pandavas, enjoyed the beautiful atmosphere, and slowly proceeded ahead. When the young women of the city heard that Lord Krishna, the reservoir of pleasure for human eyes, had arrived, they hurriedly went onto the royal road to see him. They abandoned their household duties and even left their husbands in bed, and in their eagerness, the knots of their hair and garments came loose. The royal road being quite crowded with elephants, horses, chariots, and foot soldiers, the women climbed on the tops of the houses where they caught sight of Lord Krishna and his queens. The city ladies scattered flowers upon the Lord, embraced him in their minds, and expressed their heartfelt welcome with broadly smiling glances. Purport Shri Siddha Swami comments that the ladies communicated through their affectionate glances, their eager inquiries as to the comfort of Lord Krishna's trip, and so on. In other words, in their ecstasy, they intensely desired to serve the Lord. Observing Lord Mukunda's wives passing on the road like stars accompanying the moon, the women exclaimed, What have these ladies done so that the best of men bestows upon their eyes the joy of his generous smiles and playful sidelong glances? In various places, citizens of the city came forward holding auspicious offerings for Lord Krishna and sinless leaders of occupational guilds came forward to worship the Lord. Purport to the Prabhupada writes, While Lord Krishna was thus passing on the road, at intervals some of the citizens who were all rich, respectable, and free from sinful activities presented auspicious articles to the Lord just to offer him a reception to the city, thus they worshipped him as humble servitors. 
With wide open eyes, the members of the royal household came forward in a flurry to lovingly greet Lord Mukunda, and thus the Lord entered the royal palace. When Queen Prata saw her nephew Krishna, the master of the three worlds, her heart became filled with love. Rising from her couch with her daughter-in-law, she embraced the Lord. Queen Kunti's daughter-in-law is the famous Draupadi. King Yudhisthira respectfully brought Lord Govinda, the supreme god of gods, to his personal quarters. Uh, the king was so overwhelmed with joy that he could not remember all the rituals of worship. Purposely, the Prabhupada writes, as he brought Krishna within the palace, King Yudhisthira became so confused in his jubilation that he practically forgot what he was to do at that time in order to receive Krishna and worship him properly. Lord Krishna bowed down to his aunt and the wives of his elders, O king, and then Draupadi and the Lord's sister bowed down to him. Srila uh, Prabhupada writes, Lord Krishna delightfully offered his respectful obeisance to the Kunti and the elder ladies of the palace. His younger sister Subhadra was also standing there with Draupadi and both offered their respectful obeisances under the lotus feet of the Lord. Encouraged by his mother-in-law, Draupadi worshipped all of Lord Krishna's wives, including Rukmini, Satyabhama, Bhadra, Jambavati, Kalundi, Mitravinda, the descendant of Shibi, the chest Nagna, Jiti, and the other queens of the Lord who were present. Draupadi honored them all with such gifts as clothing, flower garlands, and jewelry. King Yudhisthira arranged for Krishna's rest and saw to it that all who came along with him, namely his queens, soldiers, ministers, and secretaries, were comfortably situated. He arranged that they would experience a new feature of reception every day while staying as guests of the Pandavas. Purport this translation is taken from Srila Prabhupada's Krishna. Desiring to please Lord uh, King Yudhisthira, the Lord resided at Indra Prastha for several months. During his stay, he and Arjuna satisfied the fire god by offering him the Khandava forest, and they saved Maya Danava, who then built King Yudhisthira a celestial assembly hall. The Lord also took the opportunity to go riding on his chariot in the company of Arjuna, surrounded by a retinue of soldiers. Purport, Shri Prabhupada writes in Krishna, it was during this time that Lord Sri Krishna, with the help of Arjuna, for the satisfaction of the fire god Agni, allowed Agni to devour the Khandava forest. During the forest fire, Krishna saved the demon Mayasura, who was hiding in the forest. Upon being saved, Mayasura felt obliged to the Pandavas and Lord Krishna, and he constructed a wonderful assembly house within the city of Hastinapur. Hmm, should be interpassing. In this way, Lord Krishna, in order to please King Yudhisthira, remained in the city of Hastinapur for several months. During his stay, he enjoyed strolling here and there. He used to drive on chariots along with Arjuna, and many warriors and soldiers used to follow them. Thus end the purports of the humble servants of his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta and Prabhupada, to the 10th canto, the 71st chapter of Srimad Bhagavan, entitled, The Lord Travels to Indra Prastha. So this is all just narrative, uh, describing uh, how Krishna went from uh, Dwarka to Indraprastha. And the whole point is to show the great uh, celebration that took place as uh, they journeyed. Of course, they went by, uh, as, as I mentioned here, 
uh, various vehicles and palaquins and animals used as vehicles, etc., and soldiers walking, etc., along with music and other things. Uh, and uh, eventually they arrived at uh, the city of the Pandavas, where they were welcomed very nicely. And, of course, as Shadha, uh, Yudhisthira, and the other Pandavas uh, had been feeling separation. And then when Krishna came, they became overjoyed. Uh, and in relation to that, there's this comparison of how uh, the uh, uh, senses rush towards the uh, pranas. Huh? So in the same way, uh, the Pandavas rushed towards Krishna, who was like their very life and soul. Uh, so uh, this expresses the a spontaneous attachment that the Pandavas had for uh, Krishna. So though it mentions that uh, uh, King Yudhisthira forgot about the contamination of material existence, etc., this is just obviously figurative because he's actually an eternal associate of the Lord. Uh, but it's there to express his uh, great joy on seeing the Lord and his experience of uh, happiness and uh, purity, etc., on uh, seeing Krishna. Uh, so like the uh, Pandavas, then we see all of the inhabitants of the city also uh, experience similar joy. And we see in other places also uh, when Lord Krishna went out to journey from one place to the other, then uh, at the various uh, cities people would see him and welcome him and uh, feel overjoyed. So in this way, a lot of different people got the opportunity to uh, meet Krishna. They couldn't associate with him intimately, but at least they got to see him and um, perhaps uh, uh, associate with others who were his associates. So uh, there was some sort of association of these people. Nevertheless, the main personalities got uh, direct association with the Lord. Uh, so therefore, the, the, that is described here. That is the Pandavas and uh, Draupadi and the elders of the uh, dynasty. So, uh, when Krishna appears within this material world, uh, of course he associates intimately with his eternal associates or with sadhana siddhas who were with him at that time in Vrindavan and Mathura and Dwarka. Uh, so that's, uh, uh, let's say, their qualification is there, so that's why the Lord associates with them in such a way. Uh, nevertheless, there are others uh, that uh, get to associate more distantly, as we see in uh, uh, the uh, Indraprastha and also in Dwarka, and people uh, on the way who get to see uh, Krishna. So there's opportunity for others as well, not just the eternal associates of the Lord, but others as well, to uh, see the Lord, and, and that way they get some benefit from them. But it's also expected that their relationship is much weaker. Uh, they, are, they have the good fortune of meeting the Lord, but nevertheless their attachment to the Lord is on a much lesser level, so therefore uh, they don't get such intimate association. Nevertheless, they do establish a positive uh, relationship or stai bhava with the Lord of some sort, uh, like a form of weak dasya or something like that. So in this way, the uh, various people get some experience of 
uh, relationship with Krishna. But the uh, those who are uh, have stronger relationship, then they intimately relate with the Lord. So therefore, we have Pandavas in a very special position. And the Lord went to uh, Indraprastha, especially to meet the uh, Pandavas. Uh, of course, he had some special mission in going there because they wanted to kill Jarasandhas. But uh, apart from that, uh, just to this was an opportunity to uh, meet the Pandavas and give joy to them. So we see here that Lord Krishna stayed there for several months. He just didn't say, okay, now we're going to go out and uh, kill Jarasandha and take Bhima and Arjuna with him. But he stayed there for some time uh, to satisfy all the people there, including the Pandavas. And uh, also through that, Krishna got his satisfaction. Hmm? It also mentions here how uh, they arranged every day that everyone would have some different types of uh, amusements and diversions, etc. So the, uh, the, 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 uh, the Pandavas were very careful to arrange for everyone uh, so that they uh, were continually uh, occupied in different ways uh, and became blissful. Uh, so in this way, uh, Krishna is attached to his devotees and uh, uh, in this way he went there personally uh, though it, it took some time, they had this huge caravan of uh, people going, etc. Uh, so the, some endeavor was involved, yet Krishna did this to meet his great devotees. And then he stayed there with them. So this is often glorified, that oh, the Pandavas are so uh, intimate with the Lord, that the Lord stays in their house. Uh, uh, so definitely they had a very special position. Uh, the Lord had great attraction to them because of their devotion. Uh, uh, generally, Krishna stays in Dwarka, his own place, but then he made special effort to go to Indraprastha where the uh, Pandavas were staying, and then he stayed there for several months. So uh, this is an indication of his uh, great attachment to his devotees. Uh, so uh, in this way, uh, Krishna, we could say, is controlled by his devotees and is willing to uh, do many things for them. So uh, that is the main import here to show how uh, uh, Krishna was uh, so attached to them that he made this very special arrangement of going there with all of his uh, attendants and his palace and his queens and everyone else. Uh, and uh, in this way, the uh, Pandavas were very, very happy. Uh, so, uh, in all relationships of all the devotees in Prema, there are two aspects, being with the Lord and being separate from the Lord. So, it's to be expected, therefore, that there's going to be these two uh, things, uh, grief and separation and joy in meeting. But both are parts of Prema itself. And... Uh, in, in the separation, it looks like it's lamentation, but it's another aspect of joy, again, which sounds difficult for us to believe or understand. Hmm? Uh, but it's actually part of prema itself and the part of the highest happiness. Hmm? Yeah. So some people cannot appreciate that, and therefore they prefer a less intense relationship. And therefore, if there is separation, less intense feelings of lamentation or whatever. 
So in Shantarasa, they also have a type of separation, but there's no intense feelings there. But as we progress upwards in the more intense relationships, the separation leads to greater experiences of pain and lamentation until we get to Madhurya Rasa, where we get the highest degree of all. And therefore, we see in the gopis extreme uh, displays of pain and lamentation and separation from Krishna. Uh, but again, it's part of uh, prema itself. Huh? So the Pandavas also had separation from the Lord. In fact, prolonged separation. So Krishna would come for two months, but then he would go away again. <laughs> he would come for the Rajasuya sacrifice, and then he would leave again. Uh, and then he would go back to Dwarka. So they had very prominent separation from Krishna. Uh, but yet, Krishna would also go there periodically. So this is one opportunity where he went there. Uh, so uh, they had, uh, because they are in uh, Dasya and Sakya Rasa uh, prominently, uh, they had rather intense feelings of separation, but not so intense as the uh, people of Vrindavan and the Gopis, etc. Uh, some separation, feelings of separation were there. Uh, so when uh, Krishna arrived, therefore, they felt this uh, great experience of joy in their heart. Uh, and uh, that is expressed here by uh, the uh, saying how it's like the uh, senses going to the pranas and so the Pandavas felt completely dependent on Krishna and they rushed towards him to welcome him to the city hmm? ah, so in this way um, they have separation and then they have union with Krishna here huh? and uh, then it describes at the end of this chapter how during this time uh, Krishna uh, did various things including uh, he arranged for the uh, hall to be built, a famous hall that uh, caused problems for uh, Duryodhan later on. Huh? Uh, he, that hall and uh, through the uh, what, uh, uh, skill of the Maya uh, Dhanava demon <laughs> uh, they got this hall etc. So uh, in this way uh, when Krishna was there he performed various services for the uh, Pandavas as well. It's just a different aspect of love. So in meeting there is symptoms of joy uh, and ecstasy. Uh, in separation, it doesn't look like joy. It looks like lamentation and pain. Uh, and we have different symptoms there as well. Uh, but as I said, that is part of uh, prema itself. So it's not real lamentation. That wouldn't be there unless that intense love was there to begin with. Uh, so it's all based upon their intense love of the Lord, which gives rise to bliss. Uh, so uh, 
the, the, the feelings and separation are ultimately dependent upon the relationship itself and all of those symptoms of lamentation, etc., are what we call the vebhachari bhavas, the secondary, uh, temporary symptoms that accompany that. But all dependent upon the uh, the brasa, the the main stai bhava, uh, which gives rise to joy. So, uh, quite dependent upon the uh, the main uh, the stai bhava. Uh. Yeah, yeah. So, when there is separation, feeling, uh, feeling of separation, seems that because according to Gauri or Gauri Sambhara, we take a mode of separation, not the union in Gauri Well, it's going to, the, the, the feelings are become more intense, the love becomes more intense in the separation, so that's why, and then the, the symptoms become uh, more extreme, so we get uh, unique symptoms in that separation, particularly in uh, Madhurya Rasa. Uh, so therefore, uh, that that's why it is uh, considered the highest in one sense, because it gives rise to the most extraordinary symptoms of, uh, in, in Mahabhava. Uh. So, as a sadhaka, is it necessary for devotees to do the spiritual because in, every, in the spiritual world you feel the Lord? No. That because Lord will be there always. And in the material world there is separation. Mm-hmm. Lord and the devotees. Yeah. So is it not that the material world is better than the spiritual world? Well, there is separation in the spiritual world also. Uh, it is not so prolonged as in, in uh, Vrindavan, but nevertheless uh, there is separation there in the spiritual world. It may be temporary, a few days or whatever. But even there, Sanatana Goswami describes that uh, Krishna also is taking away Brahakura, and he goes off to Mathura for some time. Ah, and then he comes back again. So they do have some more prolonged separation, but not as prolonged as we have here in the uh, material world. Yeah, so there is the internal appearance of the Lord that takes place for the devotees in separation. And that also gives them some satisfaction so they can tolerate that situation. Nevertheless, they do desire to have the personal presence of the Lord also at a certain point. Uh, So therefore, it's not completely satisfying for them. And then when they meet the Lord, then they're worried he'll leave again. (laughs) So even in meeting, there is a problem. Uh, uh, particularly in uh, Madhurya Rasa again. So Krishna says, well, uh, I'm in Dwarka, and even if I go back, it's not going to solve the problem, because when I go back, then they'll fear that I'm going to leave. So they'll still be have pain when I'm in there. So why should I go back then? <laughs> That's the one excuse he gives for not going back. He says they cannot solve their problem by going back. Huh? That, of course, we could say is maybe a superficial argument. Uh, but there is the, the um, there is um, one um, type of separation, which is not real separation, but when Krishna is uh, present, they go into a state where they feel Krishna has disappeared. Yeah? And they think Krishna is gone, but he's standing right there. Yeah? Yeah. But due to their ecstatic symptoms. Yeah. So uh, that, that experience is also there. 
So, but nevertheless, as I said, all of these experiences of separation are actually part of prema and they give variety to it. Well, of course, that's a, a different. Uh, it's Madhurya Rasa, but it's also uh, uh, married. Uh, but he does leave sometimes. He does go that way, and then he comes back again. So when he comes back, there's a description in the first canto of how they welcome him back to Dwarka when he comes there. They're in separation. He comes back. Well, they have some sort of separation also. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I suppose so. But uh, did he actually rescue them yet? At this time, the, the sixteen thousand queens are all married to all of them. I think at this time. Okay. He may not have taken them all, I don't know. So there'll be separation for some then in that case. Separation. How to feel it? How to overcome the separation from the Lord? We find that for people who are doing sadhana, uh, then it's a little different because they haven't attained prema yet. So the Separation and prema does not exist for them, uh, but uh, they have a longing to attain prema and through that to meet the Lord. So that is expressed in uh, many of the uh, verses of different personalities, where they say, "When will I see Krishna? When will I get to, uh, you know, enter into the place of Vrindavan and to the groves of Vrindavan, etc." So they express it through longing uh, to eventually participate in the pastimes with Krishna. So that, that's the extent of the feelings of separation that we have as in, in terms of longing. Huh? The new party is they separate separated themselves and they are not separate with the Lord. Yeah. Well, of course, uh, you can't feel separation unless you have attachment already. <laughs> so the less attachment, obviously, the less separation you're going to feel. The more attached you become, then the more you feel that. So therefore, the advanced devotees, they express themselves in this way, a longing to attain the Lord. Whereas uh, initial uh, neophytes or devotees at the beginning of practice won't have such feelings. Huh? 
Because Lord is not giving me what I ask him. Yeah. Wow. They, they obviously don't have much of a an attachment to the Lord already, so they can be discarded, you know, due to material frustrations or whatnot. No, we get that with well, uh, what uh, Madhavendra Puri and whatnot like that. He showed that mood also. Uh, or we find Jayadev Goswami also expresses that mood of separation. Yeah, just automatically there. But it, we can, it becomes more prominent, we can say, or glorified in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Sampradaya. Yeah. Hmm. Also. Hmm? Well, it's expressed in all in all relationships, but it's less intense than in Madhurya Rasa. So, so there's in all the in terms of all the rasas and nectar devotion, it explains the the, the rasa in union, rasa and separation for Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, Madhurya, and even Shanta. What's that? Well, dual. If we don't want to remember, we can stay here also. It's for that purpose as well. Well, there is spiritual. So the the gopis are envious of each other in relation to Krishna. But that's only an aspect of their prema. That's all. So it's not material. Yeah. 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 Yeah.